so what's up uh so i've been applying for jobs lately and i feel like an asshole whenever i write a cover letter <laughs> cover letters are the fucking worst you have to like i hate them so much you have to fucking prostate yourself before the company be like oh please hire me pretty please oh please i'm just a little guy they're also oxymoronic because like you're supposed to stand out with them but then you have to write them to just sound like everybody else in like right business speak right and like fucking i'm back in school and like i i I, i'm writing enough essays for my classes as is i don't need to be writing them for potential i don't want to be writing them for potential employers also but i guess i fucking have to i'm on the edge of just like applying for jobs without them and telling them to interview me if they want that information right really like (laughs) It's just a redundancy. It's just more work to get your name in the fucking door. Ugh, God. Cover letters are the fucking worst. Yeah, absolutely. Breaking new, breaking, <laughs> breaking new ground with this with this commentary. <laughs> yeah, relatable feel for me this week. Relatable hashtag relatable hashtag oh so lovable hashtag fuck fuck work. Pizza man said fuck work. Absolutely. <sighs> It's been so fucking rainy here these last couple weeks, and as such, it is... I mean, I'm recording this like a week before Yeah, this up. Ep- we're recording this like a week before it comes out, so it, maybe it'll have been just like sun, nothing but sun since then, but it has been like... I like the rain, but also like today has been sunny, and as such, it's like really wet in the air. Yeah, the, the river behind my house is like almost in my mm. backyard. So, yeah. yeah. That's not good. Yeah. You, you, you really don't want that. that that's, what the la- that's one of the last things that you want to happen when there's a river in your backyard. Yeah, it's a really long backyard, though, so it should be okay. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you will not be I'm glad you will not be flooded. Yeah. I went to pull up the Paranorman wiki page, and I typed in mm-hmm. Pharaoh Thornton. There's an idea. Yep. <laughs> Change my team name right now. Yeah, no more, no more, uh, no more Caro Caro Bong Nito. <laughs> now it is Courtney. Courtney Babcock. <laughs> Courtney Babcock. There are enough named characters in this movie to to have a team. Yes, but none of them stand out. Ferrothorn. I, I mean, Ferrothorn could be Mr. Pendergast. IMO. Yeah, I could see that. Or Delmise. Uh, cr- a thick ghost. Yeah. Cr- Cradley is Alvin. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, who's the most little guy? Cottony is Neil for sure. <laughs> um, I, I just I, I know we're talking about the movie before it it we start podcast, but uh, oh yeah, I'm it, sorry, I, I don't I, know the rules. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I am just now clocking that uh, Neil's last name is Down. His name is Neil Down. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Yeah, it's that's funny, yeah. right? Yeah, this movie's got a lot of jokes specifically like that. So yeah, but speaking of this movie, we should get out of the intro and into the.
Welcome to Fear Rating, everyone. It's your number one dump truck ass podcast. Uh, we love them. You love them. Cannot get enough of those big fat Pixar mom asses. Uh, I'm Sarah, and I'm joined this week by Nick. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Th- yeah. Thank you for coming on. Uh, tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. What's your history with horror movies? Do you have like a favorite subgenre of them? Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm Nick. I'm an animator. Uh, I was too much of a poopy diaper baby to watch horror movies until I was like <laughs> 21 years old, 20 maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And then I just sat down for a weekend and was like, I'm going to watch all of the Scream movies, which is the exact opposite way you should get into horror movies because now right. nothing the, the, scares me right and the the thing the thing is from i had a very similar experience which is that my first my first horror movie um well not my first horror movie like i'd seen a couple before like i think i'd seen like i'd watched evil dead i'd watched um dead alive or brain dead depending on where you saw where where it was released i can't remember which one was the american name um but uh, the first one that I really remember, like sticking with me and actually getting me into the genre, was Cabin in the Woods, which is so oh, much yeah, like I'd talking about other. Too. Yeah, uh, it, that is so much like talking. Uh, uh, that is so much. Um, that is talking so much about the genre that I was just like, "Wow, cool something for the entire duration of the movie." The first time I saw it. Yeah, I do think it was helpful though, in some ways, to like familiarize myself with the genre because. I- learning there's more to it than just like oh you're gonna get scared oh you're gonna get spookum yeah i think that's super super helpful but also like i would like to be scared now and like the only thing only time i get scared by horror movies are like the really bad hulu original ones like i don't know what it Mm. is about those but they they get me (laughs) yeah sometimes sometimes things that are sometimes things that are worse are scary yes (laughs) Oh, it's an evil board game. Oh, I have board games. Oh fuck, I have I have Ouija. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck, my 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 Ouija board is broken. It's a YouTube. It does YouTube poops now only. I think I got a Ouija board on accident. <laughs> um, I don't think I have a favorite part of the genre. I just like watch all of that shit. I guess slashers are my favorite horror movies. I've seen most classic slashers still haven't watched the Halloween Love a good slasher franchise so Ooh. call me out on twitter so you, mi- you missed People you missed the one <laughs> you missed the one direct homage to a, a horror movie that this movie has i think they have like four homages to it too like i read the imdb fun facts i read the goofs it's such a sh- we'll, we'll get there yeah. but it's such a sh- like the movie the paranormal does not seem like too much like built on any particular horror movie like it feels like a, a, a like a, a a pg version of the genre yes absolutely but but the there's just so many direct the direct homages to halloween are just strange i feel like one of the two directors probably the dude who wrote it what's his name chris butler i feel maybe halloween is the only other horror movie he's seen <laughs> that could be that could be I'm looking at the IMDb trivia now also. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like Chris Butler like played Plants vs. Zombies and thought about his childhood, and that's how he wrote this mm-hmm. movie. Looking further in, I'm looking deep into the... the. There's some gold in there. Like, uh, the dad is supposed to be Bob Odenkirk. Like, is the character voicing him? I forget his name. 
Gene something. Uh, uh, Gene, Gene, uh, uh, Jeff Garland? Jeff Garland, yeah. He's, like, doing an homage. He's pretending to be Bob Odenkirk throughout the movie. Like, that's what he was trying to do. That's in there. Which I feel like is something he said in an interview to fuck with the interviewer. Because he's just himself in this movie. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Jeff Garland can play one guy, and it's it's Jeff Garland. It's Jeff Garland. Yep. Um, so... We open this movie with uh, another direct Halloween with with another direct Halloween homage. It's like this movie starts in like uh like a, a what this is like a, a four three aspect ratio that we're yeah. starting this movie in. Yeah, it's four. And it's like because it's supposed yeah to be we get like, like the title credits horror movies from the seventies. Yeah, of they they've got J- they uh I, according to imdb the character in this movie is supposed to be modeled after jamie lee curtis except uh, here's the thing jamie lee curtis not thick <laughs> jamie lee curtis did not have a dumper of remotely that size and the thing is that every single female character in this movie has a huge ass the only two exceptions being uh uh salma and aggie because they are they are 12 but anybody anybody above the age of like 16 if they are a woman has the fattest ass you have ever seen yep (laughs) it is it is so fun a thing that like really irks me about this opening scene is that like it feels very like it doesn't feel like a loving send up of the seventies movies. Like I'm thinking about like the the part where like the zom- like there's the the Austin Powers steamroller scene where the zombie is like is like slowly traipsing towards her and she like and she's just the screaming scream. yeah yeah and she pushes she pushes a boom mic out of the way uh, and it, it just like I I don't want to say like it's like a mean thing it's not like mean or anything it just feels like like there's not like. I think the goal of this scene more than anything is to, like, disarm the children watching it. To be like, yeah, yeah this movie's going to be scary, but the brain is making, like, a squeaky toy noise. Yeah. So, like, it's not that scary. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I also I also like the part where the zombie busts through the door by, like, putting both their arms through it and then also both their legs. Yeah, that was very good. There's a lot of good slapstick in this movie, but it doesn't, like, stick around long enough, I feel like. Or happen right. often enough to, like stick right. with it there's one really great slapstick scene later in this movie though that i yeah yeah <laughs> when uh we'll get to it. um yeah we'll get to it um we we and we pan out to we, we we pull out from the from the movie that's being watched on this television and we meet nor our protagonist norman babcock who's talking to his gam gam who we find out like five minutes later is dead is dead as hell and has been for a while and Norman is like, hey, Norman's talking to his parents like, hey, can can you turn up the temperature? Gam Gam's feet are cold. And they're like, stop fucking saying you can talk to dead people. You're you. You are. You, this is the scene. <laughs> you where suck. His... You are ugly. You caught you. You're, I'm going to get you're going to give me four hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this is the scene where his his dad calls him limp wristed, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, Fuck that. He, he like he, he referred like uh, as Norman's like, well, well. 
So there's a funny line here, which is that uh, his mom like bends down, like puts a hand on his shoulder, is very caringly like, "Your mo- grandma's in a better place now," and he says, "No, she's not. She's in the living room." <laughs> which <laughs> that is a great did make line. me chuckle. I his, I yeah. also have his dad. This is like then we get introduced to the other three members of his family because he walks into the kitchen. Yep. Right, his dad. Yeah. Who is a QAnon person now? In 2021, <laughs> he's very into QAnon. Um, yeah. And then his mom, who's, like, put upon, she's tired, she's got big bags under her eyes, she has a thick, dump-trucked ass. Absolutely. Very much like a former, very much like a a former hippie vibe I get from her. Yeah, yeah. How she ended Um, up with her husband, who the fuck is to say? uh, Listen, Dharma and Greg, you know? Um, And then his sister, Courtney, who's, like, a valley girl, even though they're in New England. She's the cheerleader. Yeah, she's the cheer like she's just like a pastiche of like mildly misogynistic teenage girl stereotypes. She's wearing literally like the Britney Spears like tracksuit, the pink, the yeah. white. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I feel bad for the way this character gets treated in this movie. <laughs> I yeah, I agree. There's also like in the in the behind the scenes, they were talking about animating her and the crew said like um Everybody knows who this girl is, but none of us have lived her life. And I feel like that was them telling on themselves a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. As Norman is, like, about to walk out, his parents start arguing, and, like, Norman is, like, on either side of them, but the camera is framed, so he's, like, standing right between their big, fat bellies. Yeah. Which is, like, this movie uses a lot of bigness as shorthand for bad, I can see that. Um, I think they were trying to... I, I, I'm not trying to defend them for this, okay? But I am... It's hard to make big people in stop motion. And so I... That's... I think... No, that that's fair. I just think, like, the focus on their stomachs there just feels so weird. I get that yeah. it's supposed to be, like, that Norman is, like, stuck between them, but it just feels like... Yeah. It, it just feels weird, especially in comparison with, like, all the other, like... Like, the drama teacher is fat, like, Alvin is fat, Neil is fat, Neil is, like, the one fat, nice guy. Yeah. Um, but, like... The thing about the size, more than anything, is, like, I think this movie tries to put technique before, um, like, the script a lot of the time. Uh Uh-huh. And I think this is one of those instances. Like, I do think, like, absolutely there's a lot of fat phobia going on, I'm not trying to defend the film right. but i think that's right of course this this alludes to a running problem with the rest of the movie that right and all like of films if i'm being honest where they're trying to make like the most interesting stop motion film they can and a lot of the times the like important emotional moments of a of a film end up falling by the wayside yeah 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 um so yeah norman has like a bit of a dust up with his sister because he's uh, she's like oh yeah prove that you can talk to grandma and he like says something about like hit her keeping photos of the varsity quarterback in her underwear drawer and she's like oh my god you fucking pervert you're sneaking through my shit again yeah fuck you i hate you this family sucks ass and then norman's like oh ho hum like and norman's grandma goes to bed about it tattling on her either so <laughs> no there has there has to be an easier there has to be a better way for norman to prove that he can talk to <laughs> yeah to talk to gam gam this is like one of the first instances of many where courtney is treated poorly and the movie never gives a shit about it 
Yeah. Um, Norman goes to bed about it. Like his his aunt says something. His his mom as he's like leaving the 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 room. His mom says something about Norman's uncle, and he like just goes up to his room and goes to bed about it. Yeah, I think his dad calls the uncle like hippie garbage, and is the, yeah. this is where we like cut to, like it is very much an allusion to like, what if he was like his gay uncle. But then, like, it's not the gay oh, uncle. Yeah, it's not the gay uncle. It's the ghost. It's, it's the, the freaky ghost the uncle. The spooky uncle. Yeah. Yeah. The spunkle. The spunkle. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut to the uncle, who has a t- just a table full of photos of Norman. Yeah. The creepiest shit possible. <laughs> yeah. We go to the next day, and it, uh, um, there's some fun stuff. Like Norman's got his zombie alarm clock with like the 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 gravestone telling time and like the the skeletal hand bursting out of it rattling around and making noise to wake him up he um he does the class he does like a classic anime hair gag of like trying to part his his because he's got like he's got like his hair his head just kind of looks like a box of mcdonald's french fries yeah um it's goat hair. and he yeah he tries to part it sideways but it just goes straight back up no this is another uh, behind and... the scenes thing it's literally his hair's made of goat hair <laughs> Okay, that 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 tracks. Honestly, yeah. that tracks. Um, he also has cool zombie slippers and just a ton of zombie. Like he's got a yeah. zombie room, even though his dad hates that he likes zombies. Still buying him a ton of zombie stuff for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. He's got a big allowance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he goes. He he leaves for work, and this is when we see that his. This is the first time that we see uh, that Norman's sister is also just with a huge fucking ass like oh is there not I, an ass reveal for her before this no i don't i think she, i think she's only shown from like waist up in in the couple of shots that she's in before like norman goes down the stairs and we see her fucking like getting stuck in a doorway sized ass wow like i'm sorry to focus on this so much it's just kind of upsetting the extent to which every single female character in this movie has just the fattest dumper you've ever seen i think there's been like a big um like acceptance of the pixar mom ass in pop culture right now it's having its moment every every woman doing like um thirst traps on tiktok they want the the dump truck ass from pixar Right, of course. Everybody and, needs you know, to watch power... this movie for the dump truck asses, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you have to, you, you gotta get in here to enjoy the dump trucks. Yeah, move over, Elastigirl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the the horny New Yorker review of Paranorman <laughs> was, <laughs> would have killed us all. They never finished it, they're just still thinking about the asses. <laughs> Yeah, they 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 saw the they saw the lady cop show up later and just like with her huge ass spilling off of her police bike. Yeah, uh, and they just like they've been in a coma ever her since. Her police moped. Yeah, her cop moped. Yeah, yeah. So next we get to, we see Norman like walking through town, and this is like my favorite scene in the movie because he is like we see him like walking down the street and like talking to what seems to be nobody. For he, there's like three or four instances of this. Then the camera does a quick 360, and then we see all of the ghosts that are around him. And um, uh, I think this movie is great to look at. I love 99% of the design choices in this movie. I wish this movie. I wish that the ghosts did not have like 
fart cloud around them at all. T- like, I, I don't mind, like, the flying Dutch, the SpongeBob flying Dutchman ass green ghost or anything, yeah. but, like, the, 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 the smell looking aura that all of them have around them it's, is just, like, it, it looks like they smell like farts. It's that thick, like, yellow undertone, the gray, the yeah. green. Yeah. I like it personally. I, I think a ghost would smell like farts 50% of the time. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's what ghosts are, that's what ghosts are made of. Yeah, ghosts are definitely made of fart. Um, I don't know. I think it's like the the color palette is very like Scooby Doo, but in like a physical way, which I feel like maybe is yeah. reductionist. But it it truly is like it's not sure. It's not yeah. a horror movie, or it's not the color palette you would see in um a Corpse Bride or um a Nightmare Before Christmas or yeah, Frank for and sure. Me, which I think came out after this movie. Yeah, same year I think for this and Frank and Weenie. Yeah, though Frank and Weenie was bla- Frank and Weenie was black and white, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Why am I talking about its <laughs> color palette? <laughs> <laughs> well, it has it's, it's got a color palette of two, two black, white, and gray. If you think about it, that's just black and white. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fusion is a fusion is a cheap technique used by weak colors to appear strong. <laughs> Steven's universe. Steven's universe. Um, we also we also see like that this town is like basically Salem. Yeah, uh, it was based on Salem, and I there's one other like witch city they based it off of. Right, but I cannot remember it. Off I the top have of my it head. written down somewhere, but will I find it? Who knows? We'll we'll find it. Yeah. Um. So he, yeah, Norman gets to school after saying hi to all the ghosts. Um, and again, that's, it's like my favorite scene. Cause like all of the, like, it's just like, it's so charming and like all of the ghosts just like Concord. I just like it. It's, it's good. And it is not really, this movie kind of drops Norman's ability to talk to ghosts for a while in a way that I don't love. Yeah, like not, not right now. There. Like yeah it's not right now like they, there is more ghost talking but like it feels like they kind of don't use it after a certain while yeah yeah exactly um yeah concord the other town it's based off of yes um yeah and they also like i guess took a tour of a lot of New England and just like looked for the shittiest parts because they wanted the town to also look like kind of gross and like <laughs> run down. And I I think that's cool. I love like a yeah a gross. It's a good feeling. design. De- it's a good design decision. Yeah, I don't want shit to be pretty in movies unless it's like the rich people the, evil shit. Yeah the the extent to which this movie is based on Salem and Concord makes it kind of fucking unreal the conclusion that the plot of this movie has yeah. but we'll 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 get to there <laughs> i oh, i have so many complicated feelings about this movie yeah <sighs> okay okay so he gets to school and oh they, before he, we get he's to got... that i did love when he's just petting the ghost of the raccoon and we can't see yes. the raccoon but we see the roadkill mm-hmm. and the old yeah. people are just so pissed yeah, they're like, what the fuck? And we see, like, there's a restaurant in town called Witchy Wieners. 
Right. And later on, that sign, the W in that sign blinks out because there's a big zombie. When the zombie apocalypse happens, the W in that sign blinks out. Itchy. And it just says itchy wieners. And I think this is also the first time we see uh, the sassy black cop woman. Oh, yeah. I forgot she was in this scene. Yeah, very quickly. I, I think yeah. her and uh, Robin from Teen Titans, her sidekick. Um <laughs> they this is just like a this is just like a this is like a way worse version of the cops in gravity falls yes absolutely yes <laughs> uh though neither of those cops have a huge fat ass if i remember correctly i mean we never saw them with their pants down yeah uh, but yeah we get like a um this is when we learn like the fucking everyone in the town just hates hates norman they hate anyone that's different. Are we going to do anything with that in the movie? We're going to try to, but who's to say if we'll pull it off? Yeah. So, yeah, he gets he gets to school. Everyone's being shot. Everyone's not paying attention to him. They're not looking at him. They walk away from him. He gets to his locker and Freak is written on it. And he just like, I, I love the way he just like, like, routine, like as if it's part of his routine. He just like pulls the the bottle of spray cleaner and the rag out of his uh, locker and starts wiping it down. Yeah, this is, like, a major indicator of, like, the theme and, like, characterization of Norman as, like, this passive agent in his own life where people treat him like shit constantly and he's just like, eh, there's nothing I can do but clean it off. Yeah, just... And I, I think that I like about this is that he, like, later on, the next time we see his locker, you can see, like, remnants of the Sharpie that he couldn't get all the way off, which I think is just a nice little touch. Yeah, and they also um, cut to Neil for the first time here, and he has... Yep. I What's written on his locker? He can't clean it something off. Something about his... It's, like, lardass or something? Yeah, I think it says lardass. I don't, I don't think it actually... I don't think it actually says... <laughs> ass but like fat so or something yeah. like that like something about his weight is, is yes. written on his locker and he is not prepared to clean it off he's rubbing it with like no. his sleeve and just smearing yeah. the bottom of it uh, uh and this is when we meet alvin and his flunkies who don't show up at all for the rest of the movie which They're is in the background weird. right of when he's dancing are they there? I I, I, I went and rewatched that scene last night. Let me let me pull up the. I thought they were. The There's also those two girls that are unimpressed with him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me see. While you're looking uh, that up, I do think there. Oh no, they're they're in the background. Of, they are in the background of the fix up. Look sharp. Yeah. Uh, Scene. But there's no world where the kids graffitiing the lockers are getting away with it. Not because the teachers give a shit about Norman or Neil being bullied. But they do uh -huh. give a shit about the property value of the school. Yeah, absolutely. So many movies use, like, graffiti on the locker as shorthand. And I think it's, like, like a little pet peeve of mine. Like, there's, yeah. there's no world where kids are getting away with that. Right the fucking scene where they get bullied instead of just putting it on their locker. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um... Then he goes to, uh, uh, he has to go do some cringe acting in his fail school play. Uh, yeah. Uh, in his play rehearsal where we learn, we learn a little bit about the, and we, we get some anachronistic history about the town, which is just, um, do you remember the exact details of what the, what, what, what he's told happened in this town forever ago? So I, the, the witch was tried for witchcraft and then when she was hung as revenge she um the like court the seven members of the court that tried her 
she raised them from the dead as zombies um i wrote this may be important later that's what the play they're doing is about um and we also meet the really like overly dramatic thespian um drama teacher who is another fat phobic portrayal um, yeah and she's voiced by the sidekick woman from the marvelous mrs Maisel. huh yeah i don't know what else she's in like a ton of like little things but like she's a good like bit actress and i feel like she's used in a way that like she's doing a good job at but is not like what i would want from her you know yeah, there is a funny throwaway line that made me absolutely fucking lose it from her, which is like, this is just gonna be the, like the exactly like the Kabuki debacle of 09, which is just like the most racist school play you could possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but so he gets through. He he, oh, he doesn't have her name does, is, does he have a vision in this scene or not? Is that not until the no? Next? He does start to. Her name is Alexandria Borstein. She's Lois Griffin. <laughs> um yeah so he starts to get the vision they do this cool effect where like the the world around him is like decaying away but yeah like like, burn it like burns away yeah it burns like paper almost yeah it's cool and it reveals like the start i don't remember what this specific vision is about but it's like it's not the one where she's running in the woods that's the next one i think this one's just like quick cuts of like the the trial and them being shitty Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh i they norman's uh so after after practice norman uh goes home well tries to go home but is accompanied by neil and norman's like oh i just kind of like being alone and neil says oh yeah me too we can be alone together neil just wants a friend Um, neil wants a friend and neil uh norman norman's like i don't know why they bully me why do they bully you and neil's like i got no idea it's probably because i'm fat or it's because i have delicate skin or i work up a sweat from walking two minutes or uh i have ibs also i think he says also that he sweats from his eyes which is yeah like, that too Neil, i'm sorry you're crying you could just admit it yeah um there's a line in here when they're talking about like why why are the bullies bullies and there's a line in here that really is this movie telling on itself more than anything else um which is that neil says if you were bigger if you were uh, bigger and dumber you'd probably be a bully too which is yeah, like just a very oversimplification the, of the world yeah in addition to the like the i mean by bigger they i, I I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that by bigger they just mean like larger in stature because norman is a pretty diminutive guy like i'm not gonna put i'm not gonna assign that one to fat phobia yeah but the 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 stupidity tied to malice is just really really like I don't know. It's frustrating to me. There is, like, another line shortly after that where they're telling on themselves again. Because instead of saying survival of the fittest, Neil says survival of the thickest. Yeah. And this is when, Mr. And this is when, the, this is when the, the world's thickest man, the fucking built-like-a-fridge Mr. Pendergast shows up. Voiced by John um, Goodman. Voiced by John Goodman and looks like a character who who is going to be in Psychonauts 2. Yes. A lot of characters in this do look like they're going to be in Psychonauts 2, though. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. 
they just he just has like some cryptic things to say uh before neil threatens him with a with a uh, a container of spicy hummus um there's a there, there's a fun at the at the end of the scene there's a fun like just like them circling each other as with and and john goodman just like having his hands up be like don't throw don't throw it please don't throw it don't throw that spicy hummus yeah i'm kind of bummed we don't get a ton of the uncle because he has like some of the most fun animation of any of the individual characters i think yeah really movie. like it's very it's very smooth it's very poppy he's like doing like these harsh arcs where his like head is up and his head is down and it's up a little to the right just to, to like enunciate what he's saying and then also like you get that really nice stop motion thing where the like fabric on his uh like sweater is constantly like fidgeting and his beard just won't stay the fuck still because the animators just keep bumping it and there's nothing you can do about that shit yeah sometimes listen trials and tribulations of stop motion yeah absolutely <laughs> um uh, uh, oh, this is when, uh, Neil talks about his, uh, his, Neil's like, wait, you can talk to ghosts? Can you come talk to my dead dog? He got ran over by an animal rescue van. It was both, it was both, uh, what, what is his, what's the word he uses? Like, uh, uh, tragic and what is the other thing he describes it as? I don't I know. Remember. I missed this line. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's, it is. It's really funny. <laughs> Yoshikage, Yoshikage Kira style death. <laughs> yeah. So they go, yeah, they go to Neil's house. We meet, uh, we meet Mitch. Uh, he's like a surfer by... Dorito. I, yeah, he's like a buff, bo- he's like a big buff jock boy. Uh, uh, and his thing is that he's, well, his thing is that he's not very smart, but he is very muscular. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, he... I guess now that we've met all th- like the three major players that occupy this space, this movie's comedy is. There are parts of it that I think are genuinely really funny, but I think that a lot of this movie hurts from the fact that Neil, Alvin, and Mitch are all pulling from the same pool of jokes about being dumb. Yeah, like yeah, I agree. There is there like there's some like there's like there's some shades of Alvin as a different kind of, as like a funnier kind of bully like. When he like when he like the first time he shows up on screen, he says like some he says like some shitty zinger, and like as his cronies laugh, Alvin's like that's so Alvin. Yeah, and like, and then later on, like we see him like just fucking break dancing to Dizzy Rascal fix up look sharp, and I, I, <laughs> it's a very funny scene. Yeah, and it just kind of like he just kind of has to devolve into like Mo from Calvin and Hobbes, and then Mitch is like is dumb and strong and then like well, Courtney's Neil also eventually... dumb too like she's like yeah like Neil and Courtney I think both have moments where they're smart more so than Mitch and Alvin do but but they're both like all the four of the five other people like that Norman forms his Scooby-Doo gang with like right they're all dumb and right like and I it's... think that's kind of intentional on the filmmakers part because i think they were trying to like do like misunderstanding as a theme and it's like i don't think it it ends up being pulled off in the end no it it doesn't um but it ends up creating like a style of joke for the whole film that like instead of getting that Coraline or corpse bride like 
dread throughout the whole movie that's like underlying it really cuts it cuts it out because they're doing this like dry like constant misunderstanding joke you know yeah there's a couple there's a couple there's a couple of good ones where it's like uh where like court when courtney and mitch interact with each other and courtney like courtney's whole character at that point turns into oh i'm so horny for this big buff yes, boy yes um she's like oh my god your deltoids are huge and uh his response is i've never taken deltoids in my life you can test me <laughs> which isn't like there's a lot of great individual jokes but i think like the movie suffers for them in a way that that you right. only I really it, feel the second time you watch it, I think. Like, I, I don't need Mi- I don't need Mitch or Neil or Alvin to be like huge brain smart guys. No, but like, just let them be I'm, a person for a little bit. I need, yeah, I need them to. I need them to not be like sh- again sharing the same pool of jokes. Like, I don't need Neil to like dive into a book, like dive into a pile and be and five minutes later pop out and be like, oh yep, finally finished reading this one, twenty one whole pages, did it all, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it's like a fucking, it, it's like a fucking, it was like, like picture book. It was like a manual to something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it doesn't seem to fit very well. Yeah, he needed Selma to come up. Like, there's a scene later where they call Selma, the smart girl from class for information. And I bet there was a version of this movie where she's, like, in the crew she should have been but they couldn't find like a smooth way to get her to join them and so they probably cut it for like pacing sake and stuff like that right yeah yeah like she does she does feel like she was supposed to be like the third she does feel like she was supposed to be like the third person like it was supposed to be it it was supposed to be norman neil and selma and then also we add courtney and mitch and alvin into the mix yeah but it i yeah it does it did really feel like that to me yeah but so I I've got we've gone off on that tangent for long enough. Um, we we meet Mitch. We meet Mitch. Um, a fun thing I like about his design is his like really shitty quote unquote tribal tattoo oh, that he's yeah. rocking on his upper arm. He wants to be a surfer so bad. He's not wearing a shirt most of the time. He's got the huge van for surfboards, but he lives in the middle of fucking New England. Like there's a, he lives Where are you in like surf, bro? New Hampshire. He's landlocked. <laughs> he is. So what what happens? They go, yeah they go to. They go to the they backyard. They go to Neil's house. Yeah. And Norman's like, yep, your dog's here. Uh, it is cut cleanly in half, which is... Yeah. I liked um, that. I was into it. I I did like that. It lo- it's like Slink Dog from yeah, Toy Story. Yeah, without the Slinky. <laughs> yeah, but with no connective tissue. Yep. <laughs> Um, I, I did think, I, I, I did, like, obviously they're not going to show me, like, the mangled corpse of an animal, but I did think it was fun how the dog was, like, run over by a car and was just split cleanly in twain as though it was dropped onto a saw blade. Yes, yes, exactly. And they try, like, Neil immediately is like, oh, I'm going to play with my fucking dog. Um, yeah, I'm going to pet it. And then Norman's like, oh, that's not its, that's not its head you're, that's not its chin you're kissing. Yeah. And then they... Play fetch after Neil kisses the dog's ass. Yep, Ugh. after Neil eats the dog's butthole. And there's like a really long but nice um like exchange between Norman and Neil where Neil is positive peer pressuring Norman into throwing the stick. Yeah. Like, hey, be Norman's my friend. Like, Norman Come like 
Norman like literally tries to be like, oh, I don't know how. I'm sorry. And Neil, Neil like completely with the innocence of like an angel just born is like, oh, well, you just take the stick and you, you put to put it in your hand and you throw it. It's pretty simple. Yeah, I think this dialogue sequence went on just like a hair too long, but I feel like that's like a cinema sins like nitpick at that point. Um, yeah, but like it was, it it just endears me to neil more and like he's my favorite character for sure yeah yeah and then when they do norman does end up throwing the stick it hits a tree and bounces directly into neil's mouth (laughs) and i did laugh when neil sits up and goes i fetched it yeah that that is a fun that is a fun little joke yeah we cut away to mr pendergast in his in his uh in his uh fucking murder cabin yes um and he (laughs) The last thing he says before dying for the first time is like to make fun of Neil for being fat, and then he just die. He die. He falls over, dead as a result, and we see his spirit like, cut, like start to come out of his body, and then get sucked back in, only for him to die again like three seconds later. And then he says "on nuts," which is just like that's such a non-line. <laughs> like they put that in there to put a joke in later, and then they forgot to. <laughs> yeah, I do like "on nuts." <laughs> It's fun. Uh, then we cut to the play. Yes, the crowd. We're at is... the third. We're at... Sorry, we're at the. Sorry, no, no problem. We're at the three hundredth anniversary play, and Alvin is really leaning into his role as the one of the villagers who is gonna stab the witch with his pitchfork. Yeah, and the, they cut to the like the the crowd of everyone with their their cameras like filming and uh, Perry which is norman's dad i don't know if we said his name yet but yeah i don't think we did uh he's like battery's dead and he's like how will i ever remember this and literally everyone else in the like theater has a camera it's yeah it's it's a little bit i'm so on my damn phone but also that's i i like the the fra- the framing of it with the yeah and the kids are s- with the with everyone else the kids are singing a song they're singing like season of the witch right they're, yes. they're like chanting it. I looked up the song later and I wasn't sure if it was for the right part, but it is Season of the Witch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was I like that touch. I was into that. Another Halloween reference. Yeah. Halloween three, Season of the Witch, baby. And then Neil is playing a tree. He's a very he's the yep. tree they're gonna hang the witch on. Yep. It's it's very grim for a student it's it's grim in a way that I really like for the student play. I did like the texture of his, his tree costume. It's like when you break cardboard in half and it has those like yeah, wrinkles. Those wrinkles, yeah. yeah. It's good. Um uh, uh but then Norman has another vision in which he is told that the dead are coming, and then he comes out of his vision and is like shouting, The dead are coming, the dead are coming, we have to do something. The tree told me, and Neil and the camera pans to Neil, and Neil's just like I don't fucking know. Yeah, it, the vision starts with like an owl that only Norman can see flying into the auditorium. And I I feel like I just want Norman to have a little more self awareness in this moment. <laughs> but it works at right. the end. Not as it much at, at the, the beginning. End. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happens next? Well, then they drive home, and the dad, he hates mental illness. He just fucking hates yep. it. He's so angry. He hates, His son is dealing with anything. He's so goddamn angry at so many fucking things. He just wants to play uh, fetch with his boy. Or catch with his boy. He wants to throw a stick what? for his son. 
Um, he, he wants to throw stick for his son. <laughs> yeah. And his son's gotta have emotions. <laughs> yeah. Um, he like storm. He like storms into the house after saying something really hurtful. So, because like Norman says, like I didn't ask to be born like this, and Norman's dad says that's funny. Neither did we, and like storms into the house. Yeah. And at this point, his mom turns to him and is like, you know, the moral of this movie is gonna be that sometimes people are mean because they're scared. Yeah, and then Norman and, is like, he's my dad. He shouldn't be afraid of me. And she's like, and then she's afraid for you. There it is. Which is. Which is incongruous with the rest of this movie's messaging because there is no way. There obviously, like when we find out later that the the witch that was murdered was just a little girl who had powers like Norman. Yeah. Um. And the 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 guys who hung her were uh a just a bunch of scared old men. Yeah. Um. They were not scared for her. No, absolutely not. No. Yeah, and then from there we just cut back to like the next day at the school, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, there's, like, a scene of Norman walking through to the bathroom. And there's a bunch of kids, like, saying mean shit about him. And I think it's mm-hmm. really funny that one of the insults they use is abnormal. Yeah, he's shredded. They, just, like, like a- abnormal, I get it. But say the name of the movie there. Like, do it. Come on. Yeah, come on. Say the fucking you, name. That, say, say paranormal. Yeah, it's right there. Uh, so yeah, he goes into the bathroom, uh, and Alvin is in the next stall over, writing his name on the wall, and he spells it wrong three times. Um, I like to think other people are spelling it wrong, and he's correcting it. Well, even if he is correcting it, like, he is spelling it, on the, on the, on the iteration that he is writing, he is again spelling it wrong. (laughs) Every day Alvin tries to write his name for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Every day I wake up. With glass brain and paper hands. <laughs> and I try to write my name, but I just can't because my glass brain shatters every day. Yeah. Uh, and this is when his, like, uncle shows up and scares the shit out of him. And all Alvin thinks is happening is Norman's taking the world's biggest dump. <laughs> the world's fattest, hugest dump. Like, you think maybe Alvin's gonna pick on him in this moment? No, Alvin is scared of the power of his shit. <laughs> Alvin is terrified. Everyone in this movie, we we keep talking about the dumpers everyone else got in this movie, but for the for the for the for the magnitude of shit that Norman takes here, the he has got the he has got the world record for the biggest dumper. Yeah, his like uncle shows up in the toilet, which is like very very obvious, but very like I'm I'm down for it. I'm here. For I, yeah, it. I like I like I like I like him opening the toilet lid and seeing uh, Mr. Pendergast's face. Uh, in the in the toilet bowl. And this is when his uncle gives him, like, his quest for the movie. We're, like, 40 minutes into the movie at this point, and this is when we learn, like, what he's supposed to do. Um, uh, we are, I don't think that's, I don't think this is that late in the movie, honestly. I think, I feel like this is, like, the 30-minute mark that this is happening. It felt like 40 minutes into the movie. I was not keeping track. The, the thing is that, like, this movie, this movie's pacing is really all over the place because it feels like it comes to a natural climax, like, three or four separate times until it actually comes to one. Yeah, I think um, it's just a lot slower than I remembered it. Like, the the final, like, third of the movie is the part you remember. And so the beginning being as long as it is just feels like, oh, it shouldn't be. But it, I think it it works for the most part but no, in for some sure, places for sure. it does not yeah i just like the i think the like the fact that it feels like it reaches a natural climax like 
20 minutes after this scene does make it feel like the scene is later in the movie yeah in my personal onion yeah um but his uncle tells him like that he has to hold back the witch's curse he needs to... yep he has to read the book uh on at, at this at a play at the place where they buried the witch yes uh before mid before sunset and you have to promise me and then that frees me i'm free i can go to heaven or hell or wherever i'm going yeah and we also get like another vision here there's like toilet paper ghosts which look very cool apparently that was just one dude's job for a year was to figure out the toilet paper for this scene <laughs> holy sh- that sounds like a fucking job i wrote his name down i want to give him credit for it because shouts out to- shouts out to brian anderson elliott shouts out brian anderson elliott you have the you have the production respect yeah <laughs> um i'm so sal- i'm saluting yeah and then but yeah if, if if he doesn't do this then the ghost of the witch is going to wake up and be it's going to be very bad it's going to be it's going to be uh the third time you play as homer in simpsons hit and run levels yes. of bad there is a very funny line here where um the uncle pendergast is like swear to me and um or i guess second time you play as homer sorry i don't i don't want to be i don't want to be incorrect because it's 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 Homer, Bart, Lisa, Marge, Apu, Bart, Homer. In, in the, that's the seven order. That's the order of characters you play in there. I play that game a lot. Yeah. If if we make any mistakes, please at me on Twitter, and I will let you start a fight and just not keep it going. <laughs> yep, that's at Travis McElroy. At Travis McElroy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, the the uncle says like swear swear you'll do it, and or he just says swear to me, swear. And Norman goes, you mean like the f word? it's a fun little line and then like the toilet explodes and yeah and then norman and no- walks norman, out and goes norman, you might norman, norman does, a few minutes yeah norman, norman does ace ventura do not go in there <laughs> Woo! which is like another moment where it's like they're really great individual jokes but like they don't really fit the theming or the tone of the movie all the time Right yeah. and like I I I don't know I don't need the I don't need the jokes to fit like I I think that there is some good comedy in this movie but I I just think a lot of it also falls flat for me yes yeah yeah in a way that it didn't when I watched this movie for the first time uh, God this movie's almost ten years old now. yeah I think I watched it for the first time when I was in like middle school <laughs> yeah I watched it for the first time when I was. Mm. I had like just gone to college. This was like the, this was like the summer of my. This was like the summer before my freshman year. I must have been in high school then, because I don't think I'm that much younger than you. What? How old are you? I'm 25. Yeah, you're only a year younger. Okay, than me. yeah. As they're leaving the bathroom, Alvin threatens Norman for no real reason. I feel like, but it, well, he's the bully. Um, yeah, he's the bully. He's just doing bully things. But he says like D E D dead. You're gonna be D E D dead. Yep. Yeah. Uh, again, reinforcing that this man does not know how to spell. I would not mind these jokes so much if it was just not so leaned into. Yeah. I guess, yeah. like, I, I don't know. I, it's just again, I just keep coming back to the fact that 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 Alvin and Mitch and Neil are all just doing different kinds of of dumb guy routines, and it gets kind of old. And again, yeah. um, the sister whose name I keep forgetting. Courtney, yes. Yeah. I was going to say Chloe, but it's not that. Well, Mitch also um, forgets her name throughout the movie, so you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, 
So Norman goes back to his house and uh, gets a text from uh, from Neil, and this makes the Halloween song play as his ringtone, which yes. I, I think that's a fun that's a fun little that's a fun little cheeky thing. But then Neil, but then Norman looks out his window and sees Neil like standing out there in the in the sheets like that like the one famous shot from Halloween that we all know. Yeah, I'm and big Halloween just watcher feels... here. I've definitely seen it. Like it's. <laughs> It just listen. I love <laughs> Halloween. I'm not. I, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about Halloween references. Yeah. It just feels really weird for them to be doing that direct a reference. It in like the rest of the movie does not. The rest of the movie does not, as far as I know, at least, directly reference any other horror movies in the way that it directly references Halloween. Like there is definitely like some like touches of like I don't know, like John Romero kind of stuff. Yeah, but, they like, were really trying to do like copy the Romero zombie movement in the animation. They talked about that a few right. times in like the featurettes, the behind the scenes, and there's one other reference that comes up later to another horror movie but other than that yeah it's just halloween which like it feels weird because this movie does not really feel like i don't get what the connection this movie has to halloween other than it is a horror movie i think this was and a I'm really try- good I'm to... concept art moment like someone drew neil with yeah, a halloween mask yeah. on and then they put it in the movie and i i'm i don't know i'm not mad about it like i yeah i'm not like upset about it i just think it feels really weird yeah no that's fair um, I think, like, having not seen Halloween, <laughs> it's it's yeah. almost easier for me to take in. Right. No, no, no. Like, yeah, you're not you're not aware of, like, exactly how, like, shot for shot that is yes. of, of Halloween. You should watch Halloween. It's, I, movie, it's on my, my, my watch list on Letterboxd. I'll probably be I'll probably be streaming it. Uh, if you want if you don't want to if you don't watch it on your own before October, I will probably be streaming it at some point during the month of October. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, he gets a text from Neil, and it, Neil's like, "Hey, you want to play hockey? Because he's wearing the the hockey. He's wearing mask. the, <laughs> the he's Jason wearing the mask. Jason hockey mask. Yeah. So I guess I guess that's the other direct homage they're doing. Which that that one that one is in the same vein as the Halloween ringtone for me. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing the Jason mask, which is like Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. We get the mask for the first time. This is my horror movie knowledge. This is what I've got. I've actually only ever seen the first Friday the Thirteenth. No, I've seen a couple of other Friday. The 13th. I've seen Jason Lives. I've seen Jason Go Hell. I've seen uh, Jason Take Manhattan. Yeah, didn't you do Jason Takes Manhattan for this podcast? Yeah, every 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 Friday the Thirteenth I've seen uh, has been for this podcast. Okay. If, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I gonna. Th- gonna have to do another one this october i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> or maybe 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 one of the later entries in the in the nightmare on elm street series i've heard that the fourth through the sixth are not particularly good yeah i've only seen the first two because i want to watch the third one real bad but it's not streaming anywhere right now yeah because apparently that's the best one friday the 13th three that's what or i've heard nightmare three yeah dream warriors is good but like the original is just like the original is just great yeah. like the first, like, I think the first three are, like, genuinely good movies, but, like, it really is just, like, a one, two, three situation for me, where, like, one is the best, two is great, and three is, like, just slightly behind two. Alright, alright. I'll keep that in mind. I've seen I've seen the first two. I think I liked the second slightly more than the first, even though it was, like, obviously not as good of a movie. I do like the second a lot. Yeah, yeah. we we have we have a particular, we have a very long episode on that one uh, on this podcast at some point. I don't remember who I, I don't remember who I did. I don't remember with. who you did it with either, but I did listen to it. <laughs> it was a good one, IMO. 
Um, what? So what? Ha- next is just Norman heads down to the. He goes to get. Uh, he goes to Mr. Pendergast's house, right? Yeah, Neil just takes off because he's like, look, I don't want to do scary shit. I just want to play, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Norman's like, well, I have to go do scary shit, so fucking tough titties, bye. Yeah, I'm Paranorman. This is my movie. I'm, yeah, dude, it's my movie, dude. <laughs> fucking get with the picture or get the fuck out. And she has... He gets a pep talk from his grandma before he takes off, which I thought was very cute, very nice. It's a scene that... It is, it's nice, it is a scene that's oddly reminiscent of Monster House, which is a weird thing for it to, for it to be reminiscent of. <laughs> I don't know why, but, like, I feel like the movie should have, like, swiveled around and we should have seen, like, bottles, of, like, Mountain Dew bottles filled of piss in Norman's corner. <laughs> we do see, like, Norman is afraid of his room and all the zombie shit in it, which I think may have been more impactful if he was seeing things that were not a ton of zombies, like as zombies yeah. but he just has zombie room so yeah Ooh, he's got zombo me. room um yeah and his i like that his grandma calls his dad a jackass at this yeah. point in the movie <laughs> dumb fucking idiot motherfucker yeah. she should they should they should have let her swear yeah <laughs> uh this was this was her last this was um uh this was elaine stritch's last movie before she died so they should have let her say fuck yeah she should have gotten the one fuck yeah Really? Yeah, and then he goes to the uncle's house, and he's attacked by moths. Well, well, on the on the way there, we get the oh, yeah. we get Alvin breakdancing to fix up Look Sharp, which is again just a throwaway scene that I would love so much more if they leaned into in any like. It should have been longer. It should have been ten minutes. It should have been longer, or it should have been like a thing about him i guess like yeah. I, I don't know like i want i want him to make like esoteric b-boy references he's or like something. trying to impress these two girls in that scene and they look so unenthused unimpressed um, yeah he's got a funny line about it later because like uh norman rides past him with his bike and makes him do the classic co- the classic cartoon spin around yeah um and he's like you made you made those girls who were co- who were starting to think about showing interest in me <laughs> that you made them leave he's like self-aware enough that like he knows he's not impressive but if he just keeps doing his thing maybe it'll work yep yeah uh and then we're in Pendergast's house Yes, he gets the he gets the book from Pendergast's corpse, which is holding onto the book pretty damn tight. Yeah, but he, he eventually this is gets a really it. Really Alvin... great, really great slapstick scene. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's good. I like it a lot. Yeah, there's also a book, another book in his house that's just in the background that's just titled "You're Not Creepy," which I liked. <laughs> I missed that. That's good. Um, and then like the last bit of the slapstick is the body manages to fall on top of norman tongue rolls out and he's just licked by the dead body which is <laughs> so funny i hate when this happens to me i despise oh, when this happens i'm to me. sure half of all people watching it think it's absolutely disgusting to watch i love this bit right. so much yeah um yeah, but he gets out of Pendergast's house and heads to the, the, the woods where he thinks that the witch was hung. I but... think this is actually where the, the breakdancing scene is. Uh, no, no, no. According to my notes, it according to my notes, it happens on the way from Norman's house okay. to Pendergast. Because then... Alvin does follow him to this grave. Yeah, and it's like, hey, this is when he says the line about the girls about to consider showing interest in me. Yeah, um, and Alvin's voiced by God, McLovin, I'm just... who just had, like, it's so high-pitched all the time. Very good. 
I he's doing great. Yeah, like, I know Christopher Mintz Plast from his role in Kick Ass because I've never actually seen Super Bad. Yeah, he's um, great in Kick Ass, a movie. Yeah, problematic, probably haven't gone back to it. <laughs> yeah, and the zombies start rising from the grave. Yeah, because here. because because Alvin steals the book from Norman and stops him from reading it. Yes. Uh So the zombos the zombos show up and it's it's turbo fucked. It's also revealed here that the the book is like a fairy tale. Like it's like you and you you're almost led to believe it's the wrong book. Right. Well, yeah. it is, it is the wrong book, isn't it? No, it ends up being the right book. <laughs> Because it's, it's supposed to be a bedtime story for Aggie. Right, right, okay. But you think makes, you right, spend, right, right. like, the next 20 or so minutes of the movie thinking it's the wrong book until, like, I think Norman says literally, oh, it's a bedtime story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this, like, this, this part, like, feels like it should be launching us into the third act of the movie, but also the second act of the... <sighs> I don't know. The act structure of this movie is really strange. I See, I think <sighs> this scene actually works because it is supposed to feel like the climax because Norman fucks up. Well, it things get fucked up. Like, don't go the yeah, way they're not... planned. So, like, you're supposed to think, like, oh, this is when it's, like, it's the false success. So you almost have to make it feel like the climax. But then when you yeah. get a repeat view of moments like that they kind of stick out and feel a little weird yeah that's fair yeah i think the one that's more egregious to me is the one when he's climbing the clock tower yeah. like that feels like a big climactic finale to the movie and then there's like 25 minutes after that yeah i almost feel like they could have combined the clock tower with the actual climax in a way that would be yeah. more effective but i'm i'm glad they didn't because like i like him going back into the woods at the end but yeah so the zombies yeah. rise up we see like the judge's name he's the only zombie that gets like a name judge his name is, and his name is judge well it's like judge hooper or hopper or some shit like hopkins. that hopkins judge hopkins yeah all of the zombies yeah, his, apparently his, have his name names. is the uh his <laughs> his name is the arrested development bit judge my name <laughs> all of the rest of the the zombies apparently have names but they never say them um yeah and we don't even really see their graves enough to to get it up but there's like these cool ghost clouds going on these ones are a lot less pee pee poo poo um and we see the scary hands motif again like every vision has had like trees with hands zombies with hands like they they wrote on a whiteboard scary things and the first thing was hands rising up and they put that in the movie as often as they could yeah toilet paper hands they're everywhere yeah yeah um is this when we get the scene of neil uh being horny yes yes we do there's a lot of there's a, there's lot, a lot of, of horniness like, in this movie there is like neil is like freeze framing uh his mom's aerobic vhs tapes and is like called out for it by mitch this is one of the imdb um, goops because it's a dvd and it has the vhs lines <laughs> oh, but yeah neil just straight up has the aerobic woman's ass like taking up almost the entire frame again, yeah i mean it, again in this universe when every single adult woman has an ass the size of europe like it's hard to not take up the whole of the screen yeah. when it's but when she is facing back every straight man has to be an ass man in this world <laughs> 
<laughs> there is no such thing as breasts. It's perverse to like breasts. Everybody, in the world every, of every, every single woman in this movie is shaped like Dragonite. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but Courtney shows up at their house to try and try and get Norman because she assumes he like ran away to his one friend's house, but they became friends yesterday <laughs> so yeah it's like um when did courtney have time to figure out when they were friends <laughs> right i don't know maybe he, maybe maybe they have a maybe they have a relationship where they talk a lot despite the antagonism yeah they show that's each other true on i'm i'm willing to fr- that's a cinema sins like complaint i yeah. absolutely am not bothered by it yeah i'm fi- i'm fine with that one and um, mitch answers the door in a towel and a like a shower cap and I missed the shower cap. Courtney is instantly horny. Yeah, she's like, "Oh hell yes!" Yeah. Uh, she says, "I think you can. I think you should leave, boy." She says, "I can say whatever the hell I want." <laughs> <laughs> and then Neil sticks his head out and is like, "Jizz." <laughs> yeah, Neil shows up and he's like trying to lie for Norman, but he cannot. He absolutely Yeah, can. he's not he's not he's not very good at he's it. He's not good at lying. His brain is still on the aerobics DVD. Yeah, he's still thinking of, he's still thinking about that ass. Yes, absolutely. And he is the rest of the movie. You can just see it in his eyes. Yeah, it's reflect it's reflected hauntingly. Yeah, and so Courtney convinces Mitch to like take his van and go find Norman. And then and they do they do find him. I, I don't remember exactly how they track him down, but they do find him. And then this is the gang that we're stuck with. This is the gang that we stick with for the rest of the movie. It's 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 Mitch, Courtney, Neil, Alvin, and Norman. Yeah, all, but all being all fighting together. We cut back to Norman and Alvin, and they're trying to get the right book because they don't realize they have the right book. And then yeah. they're running from the zombies, and they end up like running past them in the car and yeah. Mitch hits one of the zombies with his car and there's a funny moment where like he's trying to be like are you okay and doesn't realize it's a zombie and ends up just like picking the decapitated head off up and and hunting yeah. it <laughs> it's it's pretty and he gets back in the car and is like did you see that I punted that shit like a hundred yards yeah this part of the movie just has kind of like a lot going on really fast cause it's like the cop starts chasing them. Um, the zombies are chasing them. The judge is on their car during the yeah. chase scene. They, and his arm is in their car. Yes. Alvin ends up, like, holding on to the arm. <laughs> yeah. And they um, they crash their way to City Hall. Yeah, because they call... This is when they call Salma. Uh, and then they head to the... They say, yeah, go to the town hall. That's where her... Un- that's where you'll find the info about her unmarked grave. Yeah, um, and Salma's like salty about not being on the adventure as she should be she's like you want me to google shit for you while you're having a fun paranormal adventure okay um this is when the deltoids line is uh this is when we get the also the fat the the fat-assed cop who joins in the chase yes um oh the 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 zombies like descend on the town and um 
there's a good scene where uh, someone is like getting a, a snack out of a vending machine in the back alley and it's like in the very back and it's like the old style vending machine with the coils so that he has to wait for it to get all the way to the front and drop. Yeah, this is the um, other horror movie reference in the in the film because there's like a bag of chips or whatever called Cujo's and it has a dog. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, I got it from the um, IMDb goose. I'm not an eagle eye. Um... But so the the guy like runs away screaming and then his chips drop and he like runs back in like the camera doesn't move. It's like fixed from like the zombies staring down at him. So yeah. like he, he runs off screen screaming and his chips drop uh, into the thing and he like he runs back into screen. He runs back onto screen staring up at the camera the whole time like fishing around in the vending machine for his chips and then runs out again screaming the whole time. It's very funny. It's a really me. makes you think moment because he has to choose between getting eaten and eating his chips. He he chooses well he chooses, he chooses to not get eaten and then to eat his butt and then to eat his yeah. chips. <laughs> yeah. He makes it out okay. Yeah. Um and then also like the the cop crashes her moped into um the parents' car and so they end up like uh-huh. carpooling together to like track yeah. down their kid. <laughs> yeah. Um the the zombies look around and they see all the violence and shit and they're like really like shocked by because they're all like they're all like fucking puritans yeah they see uh, uh graffiti gambling titties violence on tv yeah <laughs> and then the townspeople all show up and just decide to like fuck them up yeah yeah um uh they when they get to the they when when everyone gets the, when the kids get to the town hall um they they're like oh yeah we need someone to pick the lock the building's closed and they all look at Alvin and he's like oh yeah I know how to pick a lock and yeah. then he picks up a crime prevention seminar signboard and just smashes the window with it yeah <laughs> it's a good joke yeah this is also the start of like we're supposed to realize the zombies aren't actually attacking the people and they're just like ruthlessly attacking the zombies I don't feel bad for yeah. the zombies but we're supposed to <laughs> yeah. There's um a line a little bit later when the uh when the cops roll up to the scene and the 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 huge ass cop hops off her bike. He's like, "What are you shooting civilians for? That's for, that's the police's job." Which yeah. is like, for 2012. That's a that's a that's a that's a way more poignant than you would think. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they're like, "Oh no, no, don't worry. These are zombos. These are not human beings." The the cop also calls them meddling kids while she's in the car with the parents. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so they go into the town hall, and they're looking for info. Uh, when does Alvin fall... When does Norman fall off of the off of the tower? So they, like, look through books and shit, and um, Norman is, like, once again, ta- the movie telling on itself. Like, Norman's like, this is the exact opposite group of people I want to bring with me to a library. Um, yeah. and literally everyone else is like, yeah, we fucking hate the library. Yeah. We hate, we hate books. We're dumb. Yeah. I think, uh, like Mitch is like, uh, doing like bicep curls with two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Neil is like reading, Neil is reading like, uh, it's not like a porno mag, but it's like, I think it's like implied to be like some kind of suggestive reading. Yeah. Um, and the townspeople are riding outside and Norman, I think at this point says like, you guys should just leave. Like, I don't need you here. And the, the townspeople end up attacking 
the other four kids like through the walls of the front of the town hall thinking they're zombies and Uh this is when norman climbs the clock tower and we see like the ghost agatha's ghost in the clouds but she looks like the traditional like um what are like uh the ghost or the witch from um the wizard of oz that's what like the yeah. clouds look like yeah yeah and this is like the this is like another pseudo climax of the movie where norman is like climbing the bell tower as the storm rages and is like yeah. reading the text and is like this isn't fucking working and he gets struck by lightning and yeah and he has the... a vision and this is when it's finally revealed to us that agatha is not the witch from the wizard of oz but she's actually uh, a little girl just a scared little girl yeah um and then he he wakes up and runs into the zombies and they're like no listen we just wanted you to do the ritual and this is where this movie really just <sighs> this is there the moment are two... where it's like feel bad for the puritans yeah there are there are two messages to this movie that I think you can get out of it and i think that they are trying to do both and i think i think one of the messages is that holding on to grudges for extended periods of time can just cause you to hurt yourself and those around you. Yeah. Which I think is a good message, but also the message of striking back at those, at those who oppressed you makes you just as bad as them. Yeah. Because, because Norman has a line where he's like, you're just like them, Agatha. You're, you're a bully now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, it's, they want us to feel sympathy for these people who were so scared of this, witch little girl. And it's like, it's also like the, the fact that Agatha is such a powerful witch in the afterlife is like, they're also like justifying the Puritans in this case. Like, oh yeah, they were right to hang that 11 year old. There's a funny moment where the crowd is attacking them and a little boy throws like a flaming teddy bear into the town hall, like a Molotov talk, a Molotov cocktail. Uh Uh-huh. And I liked that. I was into that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, this is when we get the like, the Puritans and Norman and his friends confront the townspeople and are like, why are you rioting? They didn't try to hurt you. They were just there and they looked different. Yeah. And that like hits, hits different as like an adult with the context of like what the Salem witch trials were. Yeah. I, I think this movie like really, I think the one thing that it does is that this really recontextualizes the entire like theme of the town in a really grim way, in a way similar to like current day Salem, Massachusetts is Yeah, like in that has, it it completely commodifies it. But like, I I guess like in opposition to real world Salem, like this one is at least hiding behind a, a facade of, oh yeah, this was an evil witch who wanted to do things and not like everyone kind of accepts that what happened at Salem was like a tragedy of evil that happened. Yeah. Like people are not having nuanced takes about Salem at this point. Like we all know it's pretty basic. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and like I said, again, it's just so weird that this movie gives us so like, I don't think that it goes all the way to like make them out to be like fully sympathetic but like there is still a good amount of sympathy that we i feel like as the audience are supposed to feel for the people who perpetrated aggie's execution yeah like yeah absolutely. like they killed an 11 year old yeah i don't want i do not want any redemption whatsoever for these fuckers yeah but the townspeople all drop like their weapons one of them is a bowling ball that was funny yeah yeah 
But otherwise, it's like, and this was the moment with, like, the cop being like, no, the cops should be shooting. Right. Um, but otherwise, like, the scene is kind of, like, meh with, like, greater context to the real world. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from yeah. there, we get the scene where the family is driving to Aggie's actual grave with the judge in the car. Yeah. Uh, that, and that's th- that this scene is funny despite this scene the is funny, despite, yeah. I don't want to be endeared to these I do not want to be endeared to these guys but this is a funny scene because Courtney and Norman are both like don't fucking sit close to yeah, me yeah don't, don't touch fucking... me you dead body fuck <laughs> yeah um they also play they turn on the radio and this like m- this music like jazz plays and I swear it's Cruel Angels thesis, just a remix of it. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not going to look it up. I don't want to be corrected on this. Like, That would be pretty funny if it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they go to the woods. Um, the trees keep like all of Norman's family from going with him to confront Aggie. Um, the mom tells her husband, Perry, to kick it in the knot hole about one of the trees that has like, caught him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is when Norman confronts Aggie and she's like, Don't read that fucking story to me. Don't you tell me that fucking storybook. I you're you you do not know what it is like to be me, to be a bullied child who is We have nothing in oppressed. common. No one has ever felt yeah, my feelings. <laughs> Eat, eating eating cereal, you will never tell me about the fact that you have power similar to mine. <laughs> you are not my nephew. <laughs> You are not related to me in any Yeah, because her last name is... Her name is Agatha Pendergast, which is... Yeah, it implies uh, that, like, her family has just been keeping her asleep for all this time. Which is kind of, like, very sad. You know? Yeah. Like, even her own family. And it does parallel Norman's, where, like, people have not tried to, like, understand him. But... Yeah. She wants to fuck around and find out and do something about it. And Norman is a passive, like... No, it's fine. I'll be an adult and live on my own someday, kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah, this is just a big confrontation. This the emotion this is like the emotional core of this movie and I think this is a lot of the reason that I'm really lukewarm on this movie on second viewing cuz this emotional core just does not really hit for me at all. Yeah. Um it's like it's a nice scene. It just like when I, you I just... listen to the actual words Norman is saying to her, as opposed to just, like, watching the moment happen, the words he's saying are so lackluster, so without, like, um, resolution, and they go counter to everything that Norman just went through, where he ha- did have to stand up for himself to even get to this point, to both the town, right. his bullies, and his family, and then he gets to Aggie, and he's like, why, why would you stand up for yourself? Right. And that just kind of, that's a bummer, that sucks. <laughs> Yeah. But uh it works. Aggie goes into the afterlife uh and Yeah, it's also uh, the, the day this is incredibly saved. gorgeous scene of animation like Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Um 
and we get the we get like the resolution of everything in town. Like the camera pans around to like a, the couple of groups of people just like showing what everyone's up to in the in the immediate aftermath. We get the scene that everyone clipped on Tumblr where where Courtney is like, "Hey, we should go to a movie or something sometime." And Mitch is like, "Oh, my boyfriend would love it." And he calls her Kathy, um, which is great. <laughs> yeah, that is great. And the face that she makes when he says that is also great. Um, yeah, the, and also there's like a <laughs> moment here where the the people that had formed the mob were all like, "Well, everyone else was doing the mob." it wasn't my idea right just mob mentality you know how it goes and alvin is being interviewed by the press and he's like yeah norm and i are best friends like we do paranormal investigations all the time yeah we have a blog that was great (laughs) i love i love like what a great lie to tell (laughs) yeah then you gotta go home and make the blog alvin right you have to go home and make alvin and norman (laughs) paran alvin norman (laughs) say like we're looking for a book deal it's get some money out of this boy Come on. Yeah. Come on. Um, And then we go back to Norman's house where his grandmother still is. Uh, She has not resolved whatever needs to go, whatever needs to happen in her life. Yeah. Uh, It implies that like, like earlier in the movie, she says she has to, she's around to make sure Norman's safe and to protect him. And you'd think like him finally being on the same playing field and open with his family and them accepting him would mean she can move on. But, in, but apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently this is just for the day, and his dad is about to just be a QAnon asshole to him again <laughs> next week. Right. She, 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 she can sense that in, like, five or so years there will be an upcoming reactionary movement that his dad will be really into. Yeah, she, she just knows. Yeah, she, she feels it in the water. But the dad has a nice bit where he's, like, talking to the grandma. They both end up asking Norman the exact same question about what's happening in the movie he's watching. I lo- yeah, I love that moment. I like, I genuinely do. Yeah, I I I think it hits real well. I, that's why I remembered this movie being like a lot more about his relationship with his dad than it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think one of the shames of this movie is that like him and Courtney spend so much time on screen together and their big emotional moment that happens in the library is just like not that great like I wish yeah she got her moment it, 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 we also passed I mean, her over mo- her, well she does she does she does kind of get her moment yeah we did talk we did gloss over her moment where she like talks to the village the villagers on behalf of uh on behalf of Norman while yeah. he climbs the clock tower and also there is a part where the five friends are like holding hands in front of the zombies but instead of holding her hand alvin grabs her ass and and she goes she goes my hand hand, alvin Alvin. and like it's implied he has sexually assaulted her then that's another moment where it's like wow courtney can't win yeah courtney just has nothing going for her in this movie yeah which sucks because i honestly like my favorite characters in this movie are norman neil and courtney (laughs) yeah um, and that's Paranorman. Um, yep. on a scale of, on a scale of zero to five zombie slippers, how many zombie slippers are you going to give this one? I'm going to give it four just so I have two pairs. No, no, no. You know what? No, you know what? No, sorry. <laughs> We're I, on a scale of zero to five, big, fat, juicy, plump <laughs> dump trucks. How many, how many Pixar mom butts are you going to give this one? I would give it three and a half juicy dump truck asses. I think that, like, despite all of my complaints about like the the message of this movie and a lot of this and a lot of the humor not hitting for me, like I think this really like does not go lower than a three for me. Like, yeah, if nothing else, this movie is fucking gorgeous to look at. It's gorgeous like, to look at. It's like really innovative. absolute spectacle of animation. And, yeah, and I think like 
the few Leica films that have come since it, like, there's no world where they could exist without them making yeah. all the innovations they made in Paranorman. Like, this movie, at, this movie at worst becomes, like, colon slash as an emo- Like, it just becomes, like, like, at times. And I think that, like, compared to, like, some of the active bad shit that comes in some of their later films, like The Box Trolls yes. and The Missing Link, yeah. uh... This movie is this movie dipping into at worst is I'll take it. Yeah. It's a three. It's it's three dump trucks for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also want to like mention the the hashtag they used in all the featurettes was weird wins hashtag weird wins, um, which I think says a lot about like what they were going for with this movie, um, like every every featurette like and i think it, they were edited this way intentionally but whenever they interview a cast member or a, a crew member it was very much like oh i was the bullied kids i'm such a like they're on the verge of saying the jughead weirdo the ju- speech yeah. at all times and i don't think this movie could have been made in a post riverdale world <laughs> <laughs> Oh, incredible um we got some questions we got a lot of questions on this one actually um, Hieronymus Goat at Curse Goat asks, why does every woman in this film have just the fattest, dump truckiest Pixar mom ass? Um, it was the decision of the creators and we have no choice but to respect it. Yeah, so I looked up, I tried to find an actual answer for this because this is the first question we got. Um, and what's her name? Heidi something? Heidi Smith, I think is the, um, I'm looking for it in my notes. Yeah, I think Heidi Smith is the right name. Um, yeah, she's the character designer. It was, it's like a weird, the way they talked about the character design and all the behind the scenes stuff was very, very weird because like, she like was right out of college and it almost was like they were trying to say that she was um, like not as good at drawing as someone with more experience because they kept talking about like her nervous line quality and stuff like that. Um, uh-huh. But I think, like, a lot of the design choices for characters that end up not working end up coming down to more, like, what I would assume would be Heidi's, like, lack of life experience as an as a 22-year-old. Like, that's why I think, like, Mitch is just a buff Dorito dude and why, like, Neil is, is two circles, you know? Like, and this is by no means shade to to Heidi or her work I really like it I'm a fan of the character design I do think the women could have more varied body types absolutely <laughs> yeah um we got a couple of questions to this effect uh from uh WTF Nidgoff is a human at apocalypse gay underscore why did y'all make a little girl apologize to her literal murderers why should we feel sorry about a bunch of grown-ass adults who said yep this little girl is gonna bite it also from Nevi Sticks, girlfriend of the show at Nickel Wolf. Not to advocate for punitive justice, but how many years of torment are needed for appropriate of, for appropriate penance for the institutional murder of an innocent child? Three hundred does seem a little on the short side. Also, on a scale of ten to a million, how representative were you by gay, Josh? Um, <laughs> I so I, I'll address the 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 two the the focal point of the those two questions in a second. I will say, the gay the the Jock being gay hits a lot. Like, it's not obvi- It's obviously not like representation to me yeah. I do think it is less like bad than it was than it was really like talked up to be when it was I, when it happened I think there was a lot of like discourse at the time and like I there was a lot but I'm not like queer so I'm gonna tread a little lightly in that saying that like I think 
the um there was a lot of discourse at the time about how um gay people should be allowed to exist in films without like it being called attention to that they're gay and i think that might be what the filmmakers were trying to do not to hand it to them i'm not trying to hand it to them yeah but... it's 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 a bit of a it's a bit of a messy one and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and applaud them for it but yeah. i'm also not gonna like i'm also not gonna like tut tut them about it like it's 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 fine it it was better it was less bad i remembered it being way worse than it was I, i'll say that yes yes absolutely um, but as to the other stuff, I think we addressed it. Uh, I think we addressed that stuff pretty effectively. But yeah, they really do just it, like it just make sucks. her. <laughs> it just sucks. Like I, I don't want to forgive these people. I wrote in my notes like Aggie goes to Christian heaven and they get sent to Christian hell. <laughs> right. It's like I would it have would it have been such a such a such an endeavor to be like. Like, they could have still even had the same motivations of, like, telling Norman to, like, read his poetry to keep her, like, dead ass in the ground for another hundred years. But they could have, like, continued to be shitheads about it. Like, they could yes. have continued to be like, burr, 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 we still hate her. <laughs> and then I think, that could, I think that could have gone in a different direction, in a better direction, frankly, yeah. if they had gone for something along those lines. Yeah, I think, like, they're, I, I see what they were going for. It just, like, doesn't. It doesn't work with any more context than the movie gives you. And even with the context the movie gives you, because we know they killed her, you know? Yeah. I think, like, the ideas were, like, they wanted the zombies to be sympathetic, and then they also wanted this other story about, like, being bullied. And then when they tried to mesh them together, there's a dissonance there that doesn't resolve itself and right. i think that's really the main problem because i think the moments where the zombies are being attacked by the townspeople and you're like oh shit the zombies aren't doing anything to warrant being attacked i don't think that doesn't work i think it works without the context of all the other scenes in the movie yeah and that's the problem more than anything yeah. Yeah. Um, the this question for big challenges at bigger challenge. Who was your favorite ghost in this movie? Uh, I'm gonna say the grease. No, I'm not. I was gonna say the greaser ghost. To me, it's the mobster yeah. uh, ghost who's like hopping around with his legs encased in concrete. Yes, the mobster's also my favorite. Uh, the hippie and um, Amelia, the greaser is Amelia fun. Earhart are close. Seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're great. How's it hanging? Um, oh, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> uh. Lastly, from Lucas Spoingle at Minerva's Den, Norman kind of looks like French fries. Anyway, if you were a funny dead ghost that Norman says hi, on his, hi to on his way to school, what comically obvious way did you die? Um, I was a zookeeper, and the tigers got a little bit too <laughs> yeah, too angry one day. Hmm. I want a piano to fall on me. I want to just be. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, like you're just like talking. You're talking to Norman with like a compressed spine. Yeah, like the, the ivories dangling out of your mouth. I'm an accordion. My teeth are the piano keys. <laughs> it's like a the bones 1940s... are their money, and the teeth are their piano keys. <laughs> it's a 1940s. They were lifting the piano into the apartment. I was underneath it. Wrong place, wrong time. Have you seen Marion Max? 
I haven't. It's been on my list for a long time. You okay? A, you should watch that movie. B, there's a really funny scene in which a mime gets in which a mime gets crushed by an AC unit falling out of someone's window. Good, good. I I will put it on my my letterbox list. It's, and hopefully it's one of my it it's soon. it's one of my it's one of my all time favorite movies. It's it's genuinely. Uh, I I don't know how it's aged because it's been a long time since I saw it. Like maybe eight or nine years, but um, I I watched that movie a lot uh, at a very important time in my life. Can um, I ask? Do you do you believe in ghosts? Have you ever? Do you think you've ever had a paranormal Ooh, experience? Okay, that would have been my Twitter wow. question, but I felt like I'm on the episode, so I'm not gonna. Text I, that. I to my I have not had an experience that I would classify as a paranormal one, um, and I'm sorry to give a centrist answer about this, but I am open to the concept. Like, yeah. I'm not as I'm not as hardline. Like, I do not believe in them as strictly as I do in like. Some and like you know, I I fully believe that like there are extra there's extraterrestrial life out there yeah. like that one I'm fully hundred percent sold on, but like ghosts are like uh maybe in some capacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's it for questions. We're gonna go recommendations now. Okay. Do you have anything to recommend, or do you want me to go first? What do you think of something? No, I thought of the I I came prepared. I thought of stuff. Hell yeah. So I have two. I have two. One is in the same vein as Paranorman, but I think is like spooky in a lot of different ways and more successful in the ways it's like challenging authority. And that's The Owl House, which is a like a Disney mm. channel original yeah, I've heard show. Good I've only watched the first season. If it gets real ribby in things. the second season, that's not my fault. Um, I've heard good things. I like the Milfy mother. I like the Milfy older wish yes, character. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 good. There's gay moments that are better representation. There's fun magic. It's funny. It's also scary at times in a way that works. I think for kids in a great way. But there's it's one of those shows where there's a lot for adults to get out of too. And it's it's made yeah. by Dana Terrace, who was like a a great. On, worked on Gravity Falls with Alex Hirsch and the rest of their crew. Hell yeah. Um, and then my other recommendation is last night I watched the OVA for uh, Alita Battle Angel. I think it's just called Battle Angel. Uh, Hell yeah. But my recommendation is to not watch that. It's to watch the live action Alita Battle Angel <laughs> Alita Battle Angel from, from t- what, 2019? Yeah. 2018? One of my favorite movies. A problematic fave for sure. It's like watching nine movies at once, though. And I'm <laughs> That's a, currently that petitioning, just efficiency to me. currently petitioning Letterboxd for it to count as more than one. <laughs> yeah. Um, my recommendation this week is just going to be the new season of I think you, I think you should leave. Uh, Tim Robinson's fucking done it again. Yeah, absolutely, so funny, absolutely gut busting shit. Um, yeah, I genuinely do. I genuinely cannot think of the last time I've laughed as hard as something as I did the first time and the second time that I saw Coffin Flop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Coffin Flop is so fucking good. <laughs> I like it's so funny to me that like I watched a behind the scenes about it and there was just like they just like showed some footage of like what it looked like to break out of those. Uh, to break out of those coffins in like uh, a very controlled environment, like in like a, a stunt like practice room or something, yeah. And like just the sound of the coffin breaking was enough to send me into the giggles. <laughs> it's not rigged. I didn't rig shit. I didn't. I didn't fucking rig shit. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Spectrum pulled up flog. I don't give a shit anymore. I'll kill you. Clef, so fucking so funny. Fucking funny. Um, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Where can people thank find you? you? And do you have anything me. to plug? Um, 
I you can find me on my Twitter at Nick R. Vern. I post like once a week there though. So if you're not into it, don't be into it. Um and then I'm on Instagram, Nick R. Vern the same. And I should be posting like stuff that I've been working on for a long time, like storyboard animatics. I just have to time them out. Like all the drawings are done. I just haven't done the final bit. Um so that'll be cool. Um and then if you're if you work in animation and you're hiring, give me a job. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hire Nick, IMO. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Um, if you want to find uh, us, we are on Twitter at Fearbaiting. We are also uh patreon.com slash fearbaiting if you want to support the show. One buck is a tip jar. Uh occasionally we get the episodes up early and you get access to them if we do. Uh, five bucks a month, get your name right on the podcast and a message right on the show. Go ahead and send a message in. I haven't read one in a while. Ten bucks a month, all of that, and you get to choose a movie for us to watch. Uh, there's really, like, we've just, we, we did Scooby-Doo in the Cyber Chase a few episodes ago. Like, there's no limit. There's no scary, there's no, like, bottom rung of scary to clear anymore. That was so. a good episode, just, too. One of my favorite. Thank you. One of my favorite fear-baiting episodes. Oh, thank you. I'll pass that along to, I'll pass that along to Moose yeah. as well. Um... It, thank, so thank you so much to Luna Wolf, Paul Moran, Kit Spindler, Michael Kaiser, and Paul Bechtel. We love you all so much. If you want to find me, I am on Twitter at SunHatGenya. That's S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A. You can also check out the Noisepace.xyz network, which so graciously hosts this and so many other excellent podcasts. Thank you to it and Matt GameCube, the proprietor and head of the network. Thank you to uh, Blair Kitsch for editing most of my episodes. He is on Twitter at Blair Kitsch. Thank you to people you meet outside of bars for making our incredible intro and outro music. You can find them making you can find them on Bandcamp under people you meet outside of bars, or just go to gaygothvibes.online for a direct link to their page. Um, if you want to listen to me on other stuff, you can listen to Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die. It's a leftism podcast uh, that is updated infrequently, but it's by four and of the Terminally Online. You can listen to The Wonder Yorks. It's an Animorphs podcast I do with Blair and with my friends Blair and Seda. You can listen to uh, Special Grade Snacks, which is a Jujutsu Kaisen watch-along podcast that I did with my very good friend Kay. Um, and I think that's everything... I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I guess Blair, Blair can put it in and post if I did. <laughs> so, until next time, I'm Sarah. And I'm Nick. And remember... You can put a fucked up guy anywhere. Good night, everyone. Good night.